Hello everyone, it's Dr. Sam. I'd like to welcome you to my Eye Clarity Podcast. This is a show that offers cutting edge information on how to improve your vision and overall wellness through holistic methods. I so appreciate you spending part of your day with me. If you have questions, you can send them to hello at drsamburn.com. Now to the latest Eye Clarity episode. Good evening, it's Dr. Sam. I'd like to welcome you to Facebook Live tonight. And we've got lots of questions, so I'm gonna jump right in. Uh, first question is from Gita. Hey Gita, I hope you're doing well. She suddenly says that her right eye is not being affected by glare and general sunlight. Well, if your glare is going away, your cataracts may be reducing. Now, if your glare is getting worse, that means that the cataract is getting worse. So it's time for you to check in with an eye doctor who can do a cataract exam and see what is going on. All right, Robin is asking a question about cataract surgery and the intraocular lens that's implanted and she is asking about the mono, monofocal lens, that means both eyes are corrected for distance, or the blended vision lens. So let me briefly talk about that. When you go for a cataract evaluation with your surgeon, there are different lens options. One of the main options is correcting both eyes for distance. Now, if you get one cataract lens replacement and let's say the other eye is working okay, sometimes there's a lag in getting the other eye done. But you wanna think about getting both eyes corrected for distance. That's the basic solution and then you use reading glasses for up close. Now, another option, which is one that I don't necessarily recommend, is the monovision, where one eye is corrected for distance and the other eye is corrected for near. Now, in this scenario, this splits your brain, and I don't recommend it. However, if you do get the monovision, you're probably going to reduce the need for reading glasses up close, but you're also reducing the opportunity for depth perception and your two eyes working together. So this can put undue visual stress on you. So I would navigate that decision carefully. Then there are what we call multifocal, trifocal correcting lenses that are a split lens in the cataract lens. And this works really well if you're the person who doesn't wanna deal with glasses at all. Now, one of the things that you have to consider if you're going to get bifocals or trifocals in your intraocular cataract lens is there's going to be a limitation in the, the flow of being able to move your focus from near to the intermediate distance to the far distance. 
And sometimes it is challenging for the brain to have to figure out where are you focusing. Now, in my opinion, I wouldn't do the trifocal or bifocal contact lens, but for some people, you know, it's something that they're used to because they've worn bifocals or trifocals in there, you know, before they had the cataract surgery. But that's another one that I would tread lightly and really check it out. Now, Robin was asking about this called extended depth of focus lens. This is a new technology. It's kind of cool where the surgeon is putting in a lens that works really well for distance and pretty well for the computer distance and just okay for the reading. So if it's a really small print, you're probably going to have to put on some reading glasses because the majority of your clarity is going to be in the distance and in the computer distance. This would be for somebody who's super active, works a lot at the computer, and doesn't mind having, say, a little bit of a challenge at the reading distance because in the other distances, they won't have it. You know, in all of these situations, the, the bottom line is to know yourself, know your lifestyle, know what you can tolerate, I don't have a recommendation one way or the other. So if you ask me, I'm going to say, well, it depends on what's your life like? What do you do? What are your activities? And I think these are the things that, you know, you have to talk to your eye surgeon about or, you know, the technicians and then go, go with that situation. I right, briefly, I want to just talk about the astigmatism or torque lenses. And this is for somebody that's got over, say, minus one and a quarter in astigmatism before they have the cataracts, uh, cataracts removed. And in this particular case, again, it's a more expensive lens. It's more complicated. For some people who have moderate to high amounts of astigmatism, it can actually work okay. But for minimum amounts of astigmatism, again, under one and a quarter diopters, I don't know that I would correct for the astigmatism. I might do some physical eye therapy exercises as a way to compensate and see if you could, you know, reduce your astigmatism through some of the other things that I talk about. All right, I'm going to take a question from Leslie on Instagram, and this is about styes, and she's asking what causes styes. So a sty is a bump an irritation, an infection, an inflammation in the eyelid. And it can be actually down by the eyelashes or it can be higher up on the eyelid. Now, there are lots of glands by the eyelashes and there are also glands up higher in the eyelid. And if these become inflamed, you start to feel things like tenderness, painfulness, uh, things get red. You can even develop like a pus-like pimple. It is contagious. And for many, it's a staph infection. That, that's one reason why we get it. But it also can be caused from things like blepharitis, which is chronic inflammation in the eyelids. can also be caused if you have something called ocular rosacea, I actually did a really nice long video blog on ocular rosacea, so I'm not going to cover that in this 
uh, in this answer. But if you've got this condition, basically what you need to do is either you want to go on a round of antibiotics. You could do antibiotic ointment. You could also do antibiotic cream. Again, you can get it biopsied and, and see if it's actually a staph infection. One of the things you need to be careful about with the sty is that it doesn't turn into a more serious eye infection called cellulitis. Orbital cellulitis is a sight-threatening condition and you want to get yourself to the hospital if that really creates a swelling in the entire eye. So one of the ways that I like to work with styes beyond just using antibiotics is working with compresses. So you can use a warm to hot compress, I would say four times a day. And what I like to do is I'm, I move into the plant-based family. So here are a couple of choices. You could do things like burdock, golden seal, eyebright, echinacea. And so you can brew up the tea and then you can dip the cloth in the warm tea and then over your eyes for five to 10 minutes. And if you do that, say three to four times a day, that, that works really well. Now you don't wanna squeeze the sty, that's the last thing you wanna do, but it will start to recede if you start doing these compresses with these plant-based medicines. And also, MSM eye drops work really well. So you can use the MSM both as a compress, putting the MSM drops in with the, say, burdock or eyebright or whatever you're doing, a couple drops of the MSM and over your eyes. I would also do the MSM eye massage, and that's where you put a couple of drops in the corners of your eyes, and then you can massage on the eyelids. Now, one more thing I want to say about styes, and this is not really known except in the traditional Chinese medicine community, but studying acupuncture, the upper lid represents our spleen meridian in Chinese medicine, and the left eye represents, the lower lid, I'm sorry, represents the stomach meridian. So spleen, stomach. So sometimes there can be a digestive problem that's causing the sty. So getting some acupuncture where you're creating more equal distribution in the acupuncture meridians is really helpful. You know, when you have a sty, there's too much congestion in the eye area. So in acupuncture, what it does is it removes or drains some of the energy away from the eyeballs. And this can be a, another great way to reduce the, the uh, length of styes. So generally speaking, they're not a serious problem. It's just a congestion. Uh, again, check out whether it's inflammatory based or infection based, but it's pretty, pretty easy to, uh, to work with. All right, I'm gonna go on to the next question I got, which is from Juanita. She has her husband who's in his mid 60s and he's developed a lot of floaters. And now because it, macular degeneration runs in his family, he's worried that the floaters are gonna turn into macular degeneration. Well, the, the key in macular health is that you want to be proactive, and in doing that, you reduce the risk of what genetics can bring to, you know, to bring to our eyes. So when I say being proactive, I would make sure, number one, 
you're get, you're eating a rainbow, uh, colorful diet that includes uh, vegetables like the reds, the oranges, the yellows. These contain the carotenoids that protect the macula. You know, we talk about lutein and uh, zeaxanthin. These are the plant carotenoids. Vitamin A. These are fat-soluble vitamins or dietary supplements or ingredients in foods that are really important. So you want to make sure you're doing that. I like the Mediterranean diet. That's a nice general diet. You're getting healthy fats and oils. Um, and it's not too extreme either way. There's a lot of great recipes out there. Fats and oils are also very important. Omega-3 fatty acids is critical for retina health. So make sure you're getting a good omega-3. And I'll talk a little bit more about omega-3 in a few minutes. Make sure you're wearing blue blocking glasses for all your computer time. And, uh, you know, maybe check in with your overall systemic and metabolic health from an inflammatory perspective, thyroid perspective, and then your glucose levels. Make sure that you're not eating a lot of carbs all the time because if you have moderate to high glucose levels, that could affect your macular health. So just because you're getting floaters, it doesn't mean that you're going to get macular degeneration. It is a signal that the collagen health in the vitreous is not working properly. So maybe start using my 5% MSM drops, say four to six times a day. If you're dealing with dry eye, consider the castor oil eye massage in the evening with the, on the eyelids. And, um, you know, be proactive. On my website, if you type in macular degeneration, you'll come to eye exercises. So doing anything to reduce eye stress is really important. And of course, you don't want to be using things like progressive lenses or uh, trifocals. Use a single vision lens at the computer so you're engaging more of your peripheral vision. All right, Sangeetha is asking about lazy eye and how long she should wear the eye patch. Minimal. So... You want to exercise each eye equally. I would say one to two minutes maximum and do engaging exercises. You know, I have a, a amblyopia 90 day eye clarity program that you could do and you'll see that the eye patch is alternated equally and just for a minute or two. You don't wear the eye patch for long periods of time. I would say spend 10 to 15 minutes twice a day on your physical therapy, that's enough. And if you're concerned about the health of your photoreceptors related to sensitivity of, sensitivity of light, that's a no-brainer. Just go to your eye doctor and get a retina exam and see what he says. All right, let's go to Nilo. He's got eye drusen. So drusen are an accumulation of fatty deposits, pretty common in the retina. When they start to impinge upon the macula, this can create problems like macular degeneration. So when I think drusen, I think liver health, I think cholesterol, I think um, inflammatory disease in the gut, I think glucose levels that are moderate to high. So again, you're gonna have to maybe work with a functional medicine doctor, a naturopathic doctor, find out why maybe your cholesterol levels, the fat you're not absorbing or assimilating fat, fat very well, or bile. Remember, the liver produces uh, the liver produces bile, and the gallbladder 
stores it and you need it to be able to um, absorb the I vitamins like vitamin A and also lutein and zeaxanthin. I would definitely boost all of your I vitamins. I forgot to mention things like anato vitamin E. These are on my website, saffron, curcumin. These are all really essential phytochemical antioxidants that are really good for the retina. And, um, you know, you need to do some detective work to find out why the drosin is there. And usually there's some systemic and metabolic reasons. But as long as the drusen is staying away from the retina, uh, sorry, from the macula, you're okay. You know, it's just when the drusen starts growing towards the macula, this is where you can start developing some macula issues. All right, let's go to Vivian, who's talking about her screen time and digital devices and using the night mode and wants to know if uh, more blue blocking things need to be done. And my answer to that is yes. Blue light dries out your eye tissue. It can keep you from sleeping. So I would either invest in a blue blocking filtering pair of glasses, or I would get a blue blocking filter on your screen. If you're gonna go with the screen, I would work with a company called OcuShield, and uh, they have screens that fit every kind of Android and Apple product. But yes, I would do more than just the, the night mode, and I would also include your carotenoids, lutein, zeaxanthin, and astaxanthin. All right, finding ways to reduce myopia. If you do that, will that um, lower the risk of retinal holes and other retina problems? So of course, yes. The higher the myopia, the more it's pulling on your retina, you have a higher risk of developing retina problems. So I remember a case that I had, a lady called me, she had retinal uh, stretching, lattice degeneration. She was starting to get some retinal holes and she came to see me and she was wearing a minus 10 and I brought her down to minus 750. All of those symptoms went away. And 10 years later, I see her every six months. She's now wearing about a minus seven. She's doing nearsighted eye exercises to, to neutralize it. So the higher the prescription, the higher risk you have of retina problems. All right, Lisa's asking about myopia. She now has presbyopia. Sometimes she feels dizzy because of her glasses. One eye is more nearsighted than the other. And she really gave me the answer when she said, I like wearing distance contacts with reading glasses. So I would go with that. That's a great option. Another option would be to ask your doctor for a computer prescription, single vision that corrects you for the computer. Try to get the same lenses in each eye. And that's a good relaxation lens. I know it's not gonna be for driving or for distance, but if you wear it indoors, over time your eyes are gonna flex into the reduced prescription. But this is a key point, and I have to really hammer this home, is that you can't just expect your vision to improve by wearing a reduced prescription or doing something with glasses or contacts. You have to change the programming in your mind brain and the only way to do that is through the eye exercises through my physical therapy program you're not going to do it just by trying to wear reduced prescriptions or doing things like that so i want to caution everybody that the magic bullet is not in just getting a, a prescription 
All right, Sue is asking about macular holes. She's asymptomatic, but she had a diagnosis. Well, here's the thing. Usually there are photographs that you can get from your doctor and have the technician or have the doctor show you on the uh, imagery where he or she is actually seeing the macular hole. You can also go for a second opinion. You know, a lot of this depends on where the, the retina is weak. You know, if it's way off in the periphery, you know, you're not going to have symptoms. If it's in the center of your vision, then you're going to have symptoms. I just did a video blog and a podcast on what are the things you need to do to boost your retina health. So you might check that out. It's on my, um, it's on iTunes or Spotify. And I go into some real detail on, you know, what nutrients you need to be able to boost retina health. And, you know, it's a, it's a call on your part to say, all right, should I get the surgery or should I start boosting my nutrients, get acupuncture, reduce my eye stress, and maybe wait a month or three months or so on. All right, Banny is asking about dry eyes, nervous system, and is it a, a lacrimal nerve issue? This has happened since COVID. Well, you know, inflammation really wreaks havoc on the eyes, inflammation of the eyelids, stress, all of these things put pressure on the nervous system that dries out your eyes. Blue light also dries out your eyes. So Ayurveda, uh, acupuncture, using some natural eye drops like homeopathic eye drops or MSM eye drops can be helpful. Usually with dry eye, it's a combination of doing some things systemically and metabolically and also doing some things um, topically on your eyes. All right, I want to take a moment. I want to talk about omega-3. So the thing about it is that with omega-3, we talk about DHA. DHA is the polyunsaturated fatty acids that are very important for the neurons in the brain. They play a role in supporting the mitochondria. They help in the release of the neurotransmitters and expressing the DNA. DHA has also been found in research to reduce the risk of things like Alzheimer's, dementia, macular degeneration, dry eye. So not all omega-3s are created equally. And you want to look for an omega-3 that gives you enough of DHA. I'd like to see you in eight to 900 milligrams a day just of the DHA. Uh, one of the studies that I uh, found about DHA is in relationship to homocysteine, which is a blood marker that that's when elevated, you have a higher risk of eye diseases, brain diseases, and the DHA is one of the ingredients that actually can reduce the homocysteine levels. So by reducing the homocysteine levels, you're reducing your inflammatory response, and this works really well for your eye-brain health. So I just wanted to bring that in because I get a lot of questions about omega-3s. Company I like is Metagenics, Omegagenics, and I would go with Omegagenics 1000. All right, so Karen's asking, are carrots good for the eyes? 
yes and no. They have a high uh, sugar um, component. So, you know, in moderation in salad, they're fine. But carrot juice, way too much sugar. So I think you need a kind of a balanced red, orange, yellow. So you can have some carrots, but you might do sweet potatoes. You might do red bell peppers. Uh, you might do green leafy kale. So, you know, you need to spread it out. And I wouldn't focus on carrots as the answer. Can glaucoma patients have cataract surgery? Depends on what type of glaucoma. Is the glaucoma under control? What's the state of the optic nerve health? So you have to do a little more investigation and your eye doctor would be able to tell you, but I would look for a cataract surgeon who's done 10,000, 100,000 surgeries because that's the kind of surgeon that's seen everything. And cataract surgery is a very, very safe surgery. But even so, if you've got secondary conditions like dry eye or glaucoma or macular degeneration, you have to you know, you have to take into account the risk and the reward factors. So somebody is asking about retinol, wrinkles around the eyes. Well, my number one would be using castor oil. You know, in the cosmetic world, retinol is something, again, if you get a pure retinol, it can be effective. But what I would do is I would start off with uh, hexane-free organic castor oil and I would stay off the retinol, the retinol. Again, it depends on the health of your oil glands, if there's inflammation in the eyelids. So there's a lot involved. I'm not a cookbook type person. So just to make a broad statement, well, retinol is this or retinol is that, there are um, cosmetic doctors and dermatologists who recommend those kinds of things. And for some people it works and for other people it doesn't. And I think it depends on your toxicity level, your inflammatory response, how much sun you get, are you on blue light exposure? So um, there we go. All right, how do you feel about using DMSO with castor oil? And so what is the correct ratio? So I don't use DMSO. So I, I find that using too many things at once can be very overwhelming for your eyes. And like every other part of the body, the eyes have a detoxification pathway. And when you start adding DMSO, MSM, castor oil, you know, compresses, steroids, antibiotics, your eyes are going to shut down. So my advice would be just use a little bit of castor oil and see how that feels on your eyes. Watch the response. Obviously, the higher quality of the castor oil, uh, the better chance you're going to have of a positive outcome. All right, Jan is asking, my five-year-old grandson started wearing glasses for farsightedness. Will craniosacral therapy or acupuncture help? Uh, no, I wouldn't patch either. <laughs> no, no. Um, I think you should go find a holistic eye doctor and see if you can get them to prescribe either a much less prescription or just wear the lenses part-time. When you start wearing glasses as a child full-time or it's a strong prescription, it actually stunts the development 
of the visual processing. And again, you have to balance out, is the child having any symptoms? Are they having blurred vision? Is one of the eyes crossed? Is there a lazy eye? If there are those things, usually there are some deeper developmental delays going on that go way back to the pre-verbal time of his or her life. And that's why we bring in some of the sensory motor movement patterns like primitive reflexes and vestibular therapy and gross and fine motor therapy that involves vision. And we don't slap on these strong glasses. Unfortunately, craniosacral or acupuncture isn't really a direct um, influence on whether he is going to, you know, improve his prescription or not. Those support the nervous system. They support if there's been trauma in the body. But you need to find an eye doctor who understands the big picture and isn't just looking at it from an optics level. That's not the way to go. All right, so yeah, Angelica is saying colloidal silver is great for styes. That's true, colloidal silver can work well for pink eye. Again, it doesn't necessarily work for cataracts or other serious eye problems, but thank you for that. Yes, colloidal silver, if it's high quality, can be helpful. And she's going on that patching is antiquated and doesn't promote binocular vision. That's very true. You want to stay off of that for sure. So you're talking about progressives. They make you dizzy. You should stop wearing them and not go in trifocals at all. Okay, Nancy's asking about vitreous separation. Well, you've got to see in terms of your collagen health, and toxicities, trauma in your eyes. Again, collagen creating things like MSM, hyaluronic acid, hydrating the eyes, reducing inflammation, wearing blue blockers, reducing eye stress, you know, taking a look at your systemic inflammatory disease. These are some of the things that, you know, I would check in with. I've done a lot of video blogs on vitreous health and floaters. So you can check that out. Can you take more vitamin A when you're taking 3000 IUs of cod liver oil? I would say that that's a good amount of cod liver oil, but why are you taking it in the summer? Cod liver oil should be something you want to take in the winter time. And that also includes the vitamin D, which is also very important for the eyes. But right now I would probably do, first of all, a general omega-3 and not do the cod liver oil. That would be more of a winter uh, experience. And again, you wanna get vitamin A at least somewhat from your foods, and you wanna make sure you're absorbing the vitamin A, and the only way you know that is if your gallbladder is healthy, your liver is healthy, because if you're not producing enough bile, you can take 10 million IUs of vitamin A, but you're not absorbing it. And this is where you would do bile salts after a meal to help you absorb the vitamin A. But be careful about how much vitamin A you're taking because too much is just as detrimental as not enough. And I would try to do that through your diet as best as you can. So with dry eye, again, you need to look at things like thyroid health, stress levels, the health of your eyelids, 
your digestive health, your eye stress, how much omega-3 fatty acids, your estrogen levels. So there's a hormonal relationship. Too much estrogen or too low estrogen can also cause dry eye. So you've got to support your corneas by hydrating with natural eye drops and also boosting your fats and oils, reducing your eye stress. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to call that a wrap. I want to thank you so much. Rapid fire tonight. Check out my workshop coming up October 7th to the 9th. It's up on my website. Would love to see you sign up. Also, we're going to be doing a, a 10% all statewide, a site-wide sale on Labor Day for all my products. So check that out. So I will see you next week. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening. I hope you learned something from the iClarity podcast show today. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave a review. See you here next time.